Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, Between Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. And local time here is 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Correct. So, Wherever you may be, if you're on the East Coast, you have to adjust for the time, just for that, yeah. uh, to know when we are in the studio. But we're here from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central. Central Standard Time every Saturday morning. Yes, sir. And we are live and in person. So if you got a call or a question, you just give it to us. We'll try to tighten you right on up. Right now <laughs> is the perfect time to call also. That's another good tip is that it's best to call early in the show because as we start to get into the show, we have certain things we have to do. We have commercials that have sure. to be put in because that's what pays the bills. And we have times when we have to break and times we have to be out, what have you. So if you call in early in the show, we've got much more time to get to your call and to get it a more thorough answer. That we do. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's so bad, i got to squat forward and look at the screen. Oh, <laughs> man. We have a call now. We got Jared. Good morning, Jared. Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Doing great. I got a 2015 Land Cruiser with about 130,000 miles on it. And I'm just curious about if there's a certain interval as far as mileage when you recommend changing out the spark plugs. I don't know that it's been done yet, but dealership is recommending it at about this 130 mark. Yes, sir. And just want to get y'all's opinion on that. Yes, sir. Most vehicles today, with few exceptions, with a few exceptions, are going to be around 100,000 to 120,000. They're using iridium plugs, which that one probably is. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, yes, I would definitely recommend doing it. There are a handful of vehicles still out that use copper plugs. Most of your Chrysler Hemi products. Chrysler Hemi. Some of your Toyota, I think your Forerunners, I don't know what engine is, and they are recommended around 30,000 miles. The right. reason they do that is not because they want to be mean or whatever. It's just the type of head design they use. They don't want that plug to remain in there a longer period because it could seize up in the head. So they, recommend, okay. they use a different plug. Now, this is the thing, Jarrett. You will not notice any decrease in performance it's not like the old days where it would start idling rough or you start dropping right. a fuel mileage so people question say, well why should i change them? i'm not having any problem this is the thing exactly. what is occurring is that as the plug gap gets wider and wider the energy required to ionize that gap is greater and greater now okay. what before in the older days what would happen is the car would start to stutter miss stumble mileage would fall off and all those things what happens today is the computer sees this it gives additional duty cycle to the coils. Now, coils are designed at a certain duty cycle, maybe 5%, whatever it is. As mm-hmm. the duty cycle starts to increase, you start to burn up coils and burn up secondary ignition parts. That's the reason you change spark plugs. Because the first okay. warning you're going to get is the car is either check engine lights going to pop on, it's going to be a major malfunction, or you're going to have something sure. burn up. Right. So as a maintenance item, as to prevent this, you go in your place the plugs when the gap is too wide, which... The manufacturer calculates it somewhere around 100,000 miles. So it's prevent okay. another problem. Now, when you change them, you're not going to know it's not going to start running better. It's not going to do anything. It's going to be just like it was before. Better gas mileage or anything no, like that. No, that is not no. Affect, yeah, it, nothing major. It is not. If it gets to the point where all that's being affected, you got a way bigger problem than plugs. You probably okay. start to burn. Okay. And ignition calls are probably $150 each, and you got eight of them. So, I mean, do the math. Right. You want to change spark oh, plugs, yeah. you want to change calls. <laughs> And I mean, you, right. you, you can even burn up the PCM if, sure. if it gets high enough and cause all kinds okay. of other problems. So 
it has to be done, although you're not going to get symptoms like you used to in the old days. Mm-hmm. All maintenance today is designed around a table which tells you at this interval do this. You can't wait for symptoms because cars are designed to prevent to the driver up. from experiencing symptoms. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the information. Okay, Jarrett. Thanks, Thank you very much. Yes, day. sir. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. Excellent call, and that's a call we get a lot. People will say, well, you're recommending I change my transmission fluid at 50,000 miles. Why is that? Because it's not doing anything. Well, the first thing it's going to do is it's going to quit shifting or, or it's quit, going to pulling. quit pulling right. or check engine light's going to pop on or it's going to, and now you got a major problem. We're recommending at this mileage to prevent a problem. Sure. It's much cheaper to do it now than to wait for the symptom later. Well, that's it. Got a good client of mine who's a heart doctor, a heart surgeon. Mm-hmm. And what he always it's a lot cheaper to stay off that table than it is to get off that table. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you don't wait until you have a heart attack to start, start doing things for your heart. Reduce your weight a little bit. Maybe start exercising a little bit. Start eating. You know, these things don't take a whole lot of effort to do. And it prevents something that does take a whole lot of effort. Exactly. So the same thing with maintenance on your car. Let's go back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Good morning, guys. Good morning. 2013 Suburban LTZ. Uh-huh. question I have is regarding the rear air suspension whole scenario. Right. All right. Right now, I'm getting a service rear suspension readout on my dash. Uh-huh. So I know I could go in and replace the compressor and replace the shocks with regular stuff, but I'm seeing that there are kits out there that you can get where you replace the springs and the shocks and you do away with all of that. And my question is to y'all, have you ever been associated with doing that or do you have any information or background on doing that? I would highly recommend not doing it, John, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you may be making a mountain out of a molehill because you're assuming the compressor and the shocks are a problem, whereas it could be a loose connection somewhere. I mean, it could be... could be a the, blown fuse. Yeah, blown fuse. Yeah, it, it, could it could be, be the computer simple. itself burned up. It could be all kinds of things. So you kind of making a big assumption without a lot of information. Now, number two, you paid a lot of money to get that system on the vehicle, and there are distinct advantages to having it on the vehicle. If you right. go in and rob, the vehicle's never going to ride the same. It's never going to act the same, and you can have a light on your dash for the rest of your life. You know, that message is going to stay on there if you do that because you can't disable that. That's class yeah. two serial data, and it's coming on a CAN network. It's in there. That, so that light's going to stay on your dash, which is going to decrease the resale value of the vehicle considerably. So I think it's kind of like burning down the barn to get rid of a rat problem. You may yeah. have a much. I would recommend either get a lot of information on how the system works, if you care to try to diagnose it yourself, or bring it to someone who knows what to do and have them diagnose the problem for you and see what you're looking at before making a decision of any kind. Right. If the suspension light is on, then it has a code set into the body control module, which is accessible right. with a scan tool, with a Tech 2 scan tool, and right. go from there. Yeah. That, that's, that's going to be your starting point. Yeah. And if you can okay. repair the system, it may be, number one, a lot less expensive sure. than all this other stuff. It's certainly going to ride and drive better than it would have otherwise it's going to do what it was designed yeah, to do the reason you bought an ltz is because you like the way it handled and the way it drove and part right, of that is all right. these systems they put on there right so right. that's the way i would go i have seen countless cars you know lincoln's they were back in the day used to have the airbags and all the airbag is a consumable part you just right. got to know when you buy this car but the reason you buy it because it drives like like, like a, a dream, dream and it rides like a cloud i mean it's, it's a great system right well engineered right. In fact, if you go on my website, I have an article on that particular problem, but it applies to yours as well. 
and it keeps the vehicle level so you don't have alignment problems. You know, when you start changing, you know, that vehicle you could put four people, five people, six people, and a bunch of luggage in there Well, the back end goes down. That That's system the, brings it right back to perfect level. So if you put five yeah. people on the car, some luggage, and you go drive across the country, you got two worn-out front tires because we're in squatting down now. So there's all kinds of things. That car is able to adapt to all that. It's really not a bad system, and it doesn't give that much problem. I'd diagnose the problem and see what it is. Now, if you find out that, hey, yeah, it's going to be thousands of dollars to fix it, and I choose to go the other way, that's your choice. But at least I would do that with more information. I would not just automatically go in and try to do that because I think you'd have less right. vehicle when you finished. Okay, well, I'll give you guys a call and bring it in and get you all to do your magic well, there you go. and see what's wrong with it. Sounds okay, great. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to try to catch one more call before the break. we got Mike on line. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing, Doing great, great. Great. Listen, i got kind of a weird question for you, but I figure if anybody knows, it's you. So I bought a recent a new used car, mm-hmm. Camry, and the deal, I bought it from a dealer, and they bombed the AC system or whatever with some kind of chemical that's so sweet and it's giving us a headache. And uh-huh. I can't get rid of it. I've washed down the whole interior. I've sprayed the through the vent with Lysol. I mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do. We've hmm. aired it out for days on end, and it's just so overwhelming. Is wow. there any advice that you guys I wonder might if, have in your? Do you know exactly what they did, Mike? Did, did they put anything in the car? Because almost yeah, they, anything should have evaporated yeah. out by now. I'm wondering yeah, if they left actually, something in the car somewhere. No, it was I actually talked to the guy, and they put some kind of a spray through the drain, the AC yes, drain mm-hmm. hose, and it, like, foams up the evaporator coil, uh-huh. and then it, it goes throughout the AC system. So it's actually, you know, was put into the AC system. Yeah, I wonder if it's got some – it must have some liquid built up in that case if that smell is still there. Because – Anything that you would put in there that would evaporate away, which is any kind of cleaner there is, should eventually go away. I'm thinking they probably use way more than they should have. It's puddled up inside that case, and that's where the odor's coming from. I think eventually it will go away, but in the short term, I'm thinking maybe you could put something else, like some water or something, up through the same hole and see if you can wash it out. I mean, the other option is going to be to pull the dash out and right. clean the case, but there's a bunch yeah. of foam rubber and stuff up inside that case which could have absorbed this stuff, and therefore right. it's just continually replenishing the smell for you. Would I was going to ask the same thing. Do you think there's any harm of, or danger of leaking if I like do flush out from the drain hose? And you put no. Too mu- well, no. You put too much in there, you could run it out of the case. It'll, it'll overflow the tray, and it may right. get your carpet wet. Right. What I would try to do, if you can figure out a way to easily pull the carpeting and all back, do that first. Put a bunch of towels down in that area just because you don't want to wet the carpet up. But, yeah, you could kind of back flush the same way they did with, like, some water or something that mm-hmm. doesn't have an odor of its own. You don't want to use any kind of chemical that might combine and make it even worse. But just flush right. like water through there. I think you will get it to eventually come out. It's just it's soaked into some component in yeah. there, or there's a puddle of it in there, and, and that's why your smell keeps coming back. Okay. All right, guys. Always always think of you first whenever I have a car. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks, Mike. Where are you calling from? Thanks. Florida, South Florida. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, you definitely yeah. need air conditioning there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. You got it. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. Okay, Thank Mike. You. Thanks for calling, man. Bye. All right. Take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. If you ever plan to motor west. Sir, how did you get in here? 
I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. As long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B. Wing. Uh, Why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, I mean, B. Wayne, help us. Well, Mr. Rain, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry, sitting here trying to spend our Saturday morning with you and there you enjoy go. it. <laughs> we hope you enjoy and listening. Give us a call, 291-6901. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity for a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You click the button, a little form is going to pop up, fill it out with all the information, and hit the send button. Hey, it couldn't be any easier than that. And if for any reason you don't get a reply back from me within 24 hours, just check and make sure you put the right return address and nothing else went wrong because I don't ever ignore email. I don't ever just not answer an email. Uh-huh. So if I haven't replied to you, either I did not get it or I have no way to return it. I have back. no way to return it because if I push the button and it pops back address unknown, that's far as I can go. Sure. So just make sure you got the right stuff. Also check your spam folder because sometimes a server that sends out a lot of email like ours does depending on your virus setting it may see that hey this guy is a spammer and may block you out and may throw you in a spam folder so right particularly on corporate servers where you work for a company and you send it from your business address it may get scanned out of that so check the trash folder and the spam folder and make sure it's not in there because our server does send out a lot of email in reply to people we don't ever just send email no it's no, one thing you don't ever have to worry about us. We, we're not collecting email addresses. We're not trying to market to people. We've got all the marketing we need, and right. I find it's very ineffective sending people stuff they don't want. <laughs> yes. I know it irritates it, me. It does. It aggravates me some kind of bad. Yeah, every time I go in and check my email, i got to frisk through all this big old huge list of stuff to find the ones i got to answer, and I don't like that, so therefore I don't do that. We don't employ any type of mess like that. Once we get your email address we are going to reply to it that's the end of it we don't we don't keep it we don't store it we don't have any reason to try to aggravate people Mm -hmm. so anyway that's the way to get information if you don't call us directly and we're going back our phones with herb good morning herb good morning yes morning. i've got a question i sent a friend of ours with a 2013 zuzu not as you know brian knows i lost my my language center last year when a brain attack but uh, Herb, 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 oh, I think we lost you. Yeah, we lost you. Call right back, Herb. We'll put you right on up to the top of the list. And we were talking about several different things uh-huh. uh, with the callers and all that. One topic that I kind of want to bring up this morning is one of these things that kind of comes and goes. I see it a lot, and then I don't see it much. And then, and then it comes back. comes back, and that is the extended warranties. That's one of those things that it seems to turn tv and you'll see 10 ads for it where they're trying to sell you an extended warranty on your vehicle and are you getting phone calls on your phone all day long right extended warranties and it's just 
it's just a scam in my opinion. Well, and very, very, very often people will ask me, well, shouldn't I buy an extended warranty and should I buy one? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you type in extended warranty on Google or something like that, you're going to have to go through about 30 pages of paid advertisement mm-hmm. before you can get to anything remotely resembling a somebody who's going to give you a article. truthful article. Yeah, I can say that no true financial person that I know recommends those. Uh-huh. It's a gamble. You know, it, it kind of taps into the two fears that a lot of people have. And one is people have a fear of risk. And certainly you should try to avoid risk, but you have to monitor the amount you spend to avoid the risk. They're selling you a policy for $2,400 for four years. Mm-hmm. That means they are going to spend less than that amount on repairs. Sure. If not, they couldn't pay the huge commissions they pay to the salesman. They wouldn't be running these 30-minute infomercials on it. They are making a lot of money. So therefore, you are going to lose money. It's not unlike going into the casino expecting to go to the roulette table and make a fortune. You you don't do that because a thinking person, well, obviously a lot of people do that, but a thinking person knows that's not the way to accumulate it's a, money. It's a big gamble. Yeah, if you talk to anyone, and I'm not talking to someone who inherited wealth or mm-hmm. someone who got lucky and hit the lottery. I'm talking about people who have created wealth in their own lifetime. Sure. People who have actually made money. Talk to those people. They're not ever going to buy this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's basically a decreasing term insurance policy. It's just an insurance policy. They are decreasing the amount because your car is going down in value all the time. It's a limited term. They've got your money, and you're expecting service back from them. Right. And they're experts. So you know who's going to win this (laughs) equation. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Herb back online. Good morning, Herb. I don't know. I don't know when I lost you, but uh, Uh I just cut all the excess out. They told her at the Toyota place that you had the little four-cylinder engine and the little gas electric motor on it. Okay, the, uh, and it's a 2013 model, and they said her, she asked about changing the antifreeze. Never had it changed. They said it doesn't, not due till 100,000 miles. Does that make any sense? That is Toyota's recommendation in, in many cases, but actually, Herb, in my opinion, the miles have nothing to do with it. The years have everything to do with it because mm-hmm. coolant is a chemical reaction. It's, it's chemicals, and it's going to fail over time. They're going to deplete the additives in there over a period of time. I think their time frame is somewhere around five years, if I'm not mistaken. I would not go beyond five years on the initial fill, and she's way past that right. now. So right. the initial fill will be five years. Subsequent fills will be every three years because you can never get 100% of it out. And when the right. car was new, everything was new. The radiator was new. The heater core was new. The engine block was new. Everything was new. When you replace the coolant, only the coolant is new. So that's why you drop the three years after the initial fill. Now, right. the cost of doing this is relatively inexpensive, and the cost of not doing it is extremely mm-hmm. expensive, almost to the point of totaling the car. Because if you allow it to get corrosive and eat the heater core up, when well, an entire dash has to come out, which is about a 12-hour job on that car. If it eats up the intake manifold or something like that, anywhere where the coolant goes, the heater core or the radiator, your cost is going to spiral out of control. Because we know coolant becomes acidic over time. New coolant is going to have reserve alkalinity. It'll be up around 8 when it's made. As you start to use the combustion process, is going to bring that down. When it gets to 7, it's neutral. It's just like water. So it's not yet doing harm, but it no longer has protection need. It's not doing good. So it has to be replaced before that time. The sooner you change it, the better, because you can never get 100% out. 
So if that answers the question, I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, I would definitely have had that done probably way before. Now, if it's 13, it's at least seven years old. So you're way, way past due at this point. That doesn't mean doing it won't help. You know, it's just they can't undo any damage that's already occurred. But it will certainly prevent future damage from occurring. Okay. I, re- I was reading in our owner's manual, and it says if you accidentally spill this coolant on coolant on the car, wash it off with water, it will eat up the paint and could damage parts. So it must be some rough stuff. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, coolant is going to be ethylene glycol, same thing as brake fluid is made out of. And you know what brake fluid does if you get it on air. It's generally not quite yeah. as corrosive as brake fluid is. But, yeah, it's not good to put any chemical on the paint of the car. So mm-hmm. we have methods we use that prevent that from happening. If it does happen, it's a good idea to have a garden hose and a bunch of fresh, clean, soft towels available to wash it off. You don't want to get coolant on painted surfaces for sure. Let me ask you one other question. Okay. If they told they changed their battery, I might have got it through a while ago, but anyhow, it's $400 for a small battery they changed out, and they said they had one, and I think it's under the back seat. It costs $4,000, and yeah. it's not very long before it's due. Well, it sounds like a and hybrid vehicle. That is true. Yeah. Those can last a while. Sometimes, I think life on those is 8 to 10 years. Then they do go bad, and yeah, they are very, very expensive. Personally, I don't think a hybrid will ever make any sense to 99.5% of the drivers out there. It's just too much complexity to save a little bit of gas. I mean, what does that car get, 46, 47 miles a gallon? I've got a standard. No said about 50. Okay, well, okay. i got a standard Camry, just a standard gas model Camry gets 43. So if you do the math, mm-hmm. you're going to save about $2 a year in gas. <laughs> yeah. And you got a $4,000 battery in the car. So to me, it's just a bunch of humbug, but that's beside the point. If she's already bought it, she's going to have to deal with so, it or get rid of it. Well, she's had it since it was new. So replacing the the battery and the danger of uh, air of the coolant system being on the edge may not. She's debating on whether to get rid of it or or keep it. So. Yeah, uh, it's just a choice she has to make. Yeah. I mean, it's not a car I'd keep. Yeah, it's got okay. what they call it. Got a transaxle assembly in there, which is a starter, generator, drive motor assembly. It's Twelve thousand right. dollars for the part. Good. Great. So. And in several well, hours. How much gas do you save at, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, due to me, yeah. it's, it's, to me, it's just a foolish technology, but, uh, you know, some people think they're being warm and fuzzy. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I, I figured a lot of that, but I yep. wanted to get it through to her head. Yep. And, uh, well, I, I heard. wanted to talk to y'all first. Yep. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling Thank me, Herb. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Let's see. We got a call from Paul. Paul, can you make it quick? I'm up against the break. Yeah, I just want to know whether you guys program key fobs. Yes, sir. Most of them we can. There are a handful of the smart fobs that they don't release the information to us, but the majority of them we can. It's a 2011 Hyundai Sonata. I would have to check yeah, and I'm see. Sure. I don't know off the top of my head. Like I said, the majority of them we can do. Occasionally there are some where they won't release the information because it ties into all kinds of other stuff, and you have to have a locksmith's license to get access to that information. All right. Well, I'll, I'll call you on Monday. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a second quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Herr Voltage, supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par, melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. 
Uh, some days, I just want a garden. Hey, Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to Doris, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. If you got a minute, give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. Be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Yeah, we would. Talking a little bit about extended warranties and things like that and again i'd like to just exonerate on that just a little bit more it's one of those things that when you buy the car you're in that mode sure and well it's only going to increase your payments by so much a month and it's going to prevent all this what they're doing is they are taking an exaggerated view of the risk you take and try and turn it into a profit center for themselves and the average person most people are going to lose money on this deal sure it's just not something Instead, if you took the amount they're going to charge for this policy and then put it into, say, a certificate of deposit or an investment account of some mm-hmm. sort or in the stock market, if you will, by the time the term of the policy is over and you pay for your payer out of that account, you're going to have enough money left in there to have probably a down payment on your next car. Sure. It's just not a good deal for most people. And the things on these policies are always limited. They, in other words, they're trying to say that they're gonna it's gonna cover everything that ever happens. Well, that's that's, that's not what true. They, well, that's what they tell you when they're selling it to you, right? But when it comes to actually having to use it, oh wait, wait, we, we this, this, this isn't covered doesn't cover because that. of this or right. that or the other. Another thing is, many times they're gonna dictate to you how the car has to be repaired. Uh-huh. For instance, they may want to put aftermarket parts on your car because it's cheaper, or even used parts. They may put used parts on the car. So. You have to understand all of what you're getting. It's like almost anything in life. I remember hearing the statement many years ago, you never get more than you pay for. You get what you pay for, rather. Mm-hmm. And actually, what's more true, you never get more than you pay for. Right. You don't always get what you pay for, but you never get more than you pay for. And you're not going to get more than you pay for with this. That's, that's for fact. You're, and you They're going to make money. Well, and when they're selling it to you, they just they give you a sheet of paper that says, this is extended warranty policy, this is how much it costs. Mm-hmm. You don't actually get to read the policy when they're selling you the, when you when you're doing all the paperwork for actually purchasing the car. Well, and the best warranty if you want to do something is do the maintenance on the car. Sure. Possibly even before it's required because a lot of things are are extended intervals are really extended out. They're they're more to look good to the people buying the car than they are to serve the people who own the car. Exactly. But if you simply do the maintenance on your car, you probably not going to have any sizable repair anyway well and and if you just set a little money aside in case you do you can self-insure well and most of your vehicles come with a 336 warranty right when you buy it you've already paid for that warranty it was included in the price of the car that's correct so if something happens to that car within the first three years or thirty-six thousand miles by all means take it back to them and have it fixed right well and when you buy this extended warranty what you're getting is like let's say a five-year sixty thousand miles so what you're actually getting is two years and the difference between the original, because exactly. you, you don't have dual coverage. One or the other is going to pay. Right. So you're not getting as much as you think you're getting anyway, because the first three years are 36,000. Already covered. It's already covered. Right. So they're only covering the. From the 36 to 
the 60 or whatever the extended policy and is. As long as you've been working in the industry and myself, how many cars five years or 60,000 miles really have any kind of sizable problem? Not really. Unless they're just totally abused or totally neglected, there's very, very, very few problems. Or they're lemons. Yeah. Or it's just we, a defect have, in the we car. We have seen. Well, there's just some cars that aren't very well exactly. built. And, you know, you can't know that up front, so you don't know which ones to buy a policy on. It's better to get rid of that car. Exactly. But you take, like, my little truck is 18 years old. Right. In the course of 18 years, the things that an extended warranty might have covered was probably about $1,800 worth of repair. Mm-hmm. I had to replace the air conditioning system in it and a couple of tiny little things. That might have been covered. But that's less than $100 a year. Show me the policy they'll sell me for $100 a year. <laughs> exactly. These policies are more like $1,800 for two or three years. Sure. And it's the first two or three years when nothing is very likely to occur. My daughter bought a car last year, and they tried the same process mm-hmm. when I was in there. I didn't tell them who I was, where right. I worked. And they tried to sell us the extended warranty policy, mm-hmm. and it was going to add $100 a month to her car note. Right. First. 72-month car note. Right. So do the math. Yeah. It's, and it's, it wasn't worth... When you buy the policy, that's bad enough. But when you add it to your car note, now that compounded interest is working on it. Sure. And so it costs you an exorbitant amount of money for right. this policy. Sort of like I was listening to Dave Ramsey the other day. He was talking about student loans, sort of the same thing. You're extending this loan. He sees, he sees a guy in the union drinking a cup of coffee. He says, well, you know, you bought that cup of coffee, you put it on your student loan, pay for it. It probably ended up costing you about 75 bucks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's for fact. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you throw in the, all the evils of finance in there, oh, yeah. because people will always say, well, I can't afford to do, well, if you can't afford that, you're probably on the wrong car. Sure. You maybe should have purchased a secondhand car that you could afford. It's kind of like they sell this gap insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, that's God's way of telling you that yeah. you're in over your head. Exactly. You're buying a car that you that's can't afford. Then you're buying an insurance policy, which you're financing and paying interest on, to pay for it in case it gets wrecked because it's not worth as much as what you paid for it. Exactly. I mean, you're deeply in trouble right there. <laughs> and, you know, I was fortunate enough, my grandfather and my father were both pretty level-headed thinkers, and, sure. and they kind of instilled this into me. But that's getting harder and harder to find that kind of information as, as generations go on. But if you listen to some of these guys like Dave Ramsey, who I think is a pretty level-headed fellow, right. I listen to a lot of what he says, if you want to live your life, in debt and paying notes and all that you just say well that's just the way it is i'm gonna accept it and, okay well, hey god bless you go go for it but if you want to be a different way if you want to create wealth in your lifetime like dave says if you want to change your family tree <laughs> exactly <laughs> you want to create wealth here you want to have generations of people who are better off than you were there's different ways to do that and you don't do it by buying extended warranties and buying all these different things or, or living above your means and then bringing in enablers to allow you to do that mm-hmm. So it's sort of like leasing a vehicle. What that is is simply a way to afford a bigger car, a better car, a fancier car than you might have been able to afford. afford. Yeah, than what you could really afford. Right. And so what you're doing is you're renting a car. You're not building any equity. You're not building any wealth. You're not ever going to get this paid for. You're just renting a car. It's kind of like living in an apartment. Yeah, or even worse, because this thing at the end of the term, you know, and what's worse is if you decide, I don't like this car, you can't get rid of it because you, you're obligated to the lease. Mm-hmm. You have to pay for it anyway. And they call them a fleece for right. a good reason. These are the things that happen to people with regard to automobiles that tend to keep them below where they might have been otherwise. Sure. I wrote an article years ago about two young ladies who are in college. And one decides when she gets out of college, she's going to buy a brand new car. The other one decides she's going to buy a used car and take care of it. 
and then it extends that out over about 10 years, and then they meet again, and one owns a home. You know, the girl who went in with the used car and paid for it and saved her money owns a home, and the other one, well, I can't afford a home. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because you're giving all your money to the car company. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you buy a new car every three years, you're not, ever, you're not accumulating no. any wealth here. No, You're simply giving all your money that you might have used to build wealth to somebody yeah. else. Right. So, again, not a big lecture, but it does all relate to cars and car ownership. And the lowest overall cost, which is what you're looking for, which is not always the price, but a far better deal is to find maybe a three-year-old car. Because at three years, the reason I use that number, it has hit pretty much maximum depreciation. In other words, the cars depreciate more in the first three years than they do than they do in the, the next rest. five years. Mm-hmm. The fourth year is a little less. The fifth year is a little less. Then after that, they start depreciating at a very low rate. What depreciation means is if you go down and you pay $30,000 for this car, in three years, it's worth $15,000. Okay, well, you have spent $15,000 in, in three years to own a car. Right. Now, there's no way you could ever spend that amount repairing a car. No. I mean, it, it just doesn't. The, the math is, is crazy. But people feel like they're coming out ahead, although they're really not getting nearly what they're paying for. So you walk in, you buy that car at half price, take care of it, do the maintenance. The good thing about a three-year-old car is it's probably, even if nothing was done to it, it's not hurt a whole lot. Right. As long as all was changed in it, right. it's probably not hurt that bad. And you can have a general inspection done on the car, use car inspection, which will tell you if all that was done. It'll tell you if it's a problem. Because sure. because a car is traditionally a good car, I have a guy who says, well, I bought a Toyota Camry. I know those are good cars, so I don't have to have inspect it. No, no, no. It is traditionally a good car, but something could have happened to this car. Right. I had a customer come in. I think he brought us five or six of them. Mm-hmm. And each time he brought us one, we found something major wrong with it. Yeah. It's a Toyota Camry. So he yeah. was by, he was looking at great cars. Right. After about the sixth one, he finally found one he could buy. Well, the first one had been wrecked. Right. The second and, one and had been underwater. Bad. One of them had been flooded. Right. Uh, so, yeah, because you are buying a traditionally good car is not enough, and you have to have it inspected thoroughly right. to make sure there's nothing wrong with, with the car before you purchase. With that individual car. Correct. Now, this is a very small amount of money you pay to prevent a very large oh most problem. definitely so it's kind of exactly the opposite of the other way you're paying a lot of money to really not prevent a whole lot of anything so these are the ways you go about getting a good deal on a car mm-hmm. and if you do that take care of that car drive it for 10 12 15 years yeah. which you and i have both done oh yeah i've got over, a, I've over got our a, lifetimes i've got a 2000 and an 06 mm-hmm. and i i'm not thinking about getting rid of either one of them well i said I, i've said many times my little 2002 i hope that takes me to the end of the road till there i'm ready go. to quit driving there's no reason it wouldn't because it's still in the same oh, shape it was when i bought it yeah it's in great shape yeah i mean i don't have any problem with it whatever so i can spend a lot less money take care of the vehicle prevent a lot of the major problems self-insure that's another thing. I don't have to buy collision or comprehensive insurance on the right. vehicles that I drive simply because I can afford to lose them. They're not a very expensive vehicle to start with, so I don't have to pay somebody to insure this vehicle. Mm-hmm. You go buy a brand-new vehicle and finance it. Now you're going to have to buy collision and comprehensive insurance because oh, they're, they're going to demand it Fail because if anything happens because you're to carrying it. a note on it. So it's that much more expense. Well, the vehicle doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the finance company. That's correct. And they want, they want their they want to be protected. Covered. And if you take and add that into your notes – Right. Then you're financing all that. Just, most, yeah, most people don't realize that until it's too late. Well, you know, a new car does not equal less. A, no, it you, doesn't equal a less new problems. car. A new car is going to equal a whole lot more expense than fixing up an older one well, like we were just con- talking considerably about. Considerably more expense for the most part. I remember re, there was an advertisement for an insurance company one time, and it was they were talking about retirement. 
and there's an old guy, and he's standing on the end of a pier, and he's got his suitcase in his hand, and the, the ship is off in the water. Yeah. <laughs> and the caption was, with 65 years to make it, he missed the boat. Uh-huh. And I always thought, I mean, I was a little child when I saw that, and it's still in my mind. Right. But you got X number of years to accumulate a certain amount of wealth to take care of yourself from then on. Sure. And I know some people, well, the government's going to take care. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at everybody tradition who's dependent on the government yeah. and see where they ended up. But there are things you can do to influence your own wealth and these are the things you need to be doing and one of the big parts of that is purchasing cars because you can spend more money on cars in your lifetime than you will on a new home sure or a business or just about anything else so these are places where you can make a significant change to your life for the better just by a few simple things it's not not doing what you want to do i mean if you are in a position where you've got the money you can afford a new car you want a new car it's going to make you happy Go get a new car. Yeah, Yeah. don't even think twice about it. You're not considering that from an investment standpoint. You just want a car. Okay, great. It's going to make you happy. Do it. I'm just saying there are ways where you can be just as happy and save a tremendous amount of money. Pay down your house note. Get your house. That makes most people really happy. I know. I remember remember when I paid my first house off, man, and I hadn't been in debt since. That was a wonderful feeling. Sure. Sure. That's a big chunk of money. Well, that's right. And now instead of paying house notes, I can go take trips. I can uh, take vacations. I can enjoy my life. Instead of paying notes to a car company. Right. So just something to think about. Take our last quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues. Uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. Zelt check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, it's Automotive Hour. Tuned in. <laughs> I'm Lewis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Still got a few minutes. Give us a call, 291-6901. There you go. Just in case you don't get a chance to call in, something occurred to you after we're off the air. Right. You can always visit our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You click the button. The little form is going to pop up and fill it out and hit the send button. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. Get an answer right back to you. And, you know, there's a lot of other things on that website that are well worthy mm-hmm. of investigating there's the detailed topic which are an article on a certain topic mm-hmm. and then you have the vehicle questions which is kind of a short short to the point, to the point question you know, for instance, if you want to know what does the w mean in 5w30 well that'll be in the general questions right but if you want to know a lot more about oil like what is viscosity why is it important to put the right viscosity oil and all these sorts of things then you go to uh, the detailed topics. detailed topic and that's going to give you a tremendous amount more information on a specific topic correct some of those run Anywhere from 500 to 
1,500 words with photographs and pictures uh-huh. and diagrams and all that. So a lot more information. Right. So something you might want to check out. Go back to our phone lines. We've got Eddie online. Good morning, Eddie. Hi. I have a 2011 GMC Sierra truck, uh-huh. and it runs, the temperature runs at 210 degrees. Okay. And I'm thinking that's too much. Is no, that that's about normal. Yeah. That's about normal. 210 is about the normal running point for those, Eddie. It's not like the older cars where it used to run at 180 and 160. The thermostat does not even open until 195. So it's going to block the coolant flow below that. Now, the reason they do that is because the engines are a lot more efficient. They need that heat to keep them dried out and all that. And they want to get it to that temperature as soon as possible. In other words, because something's good doesn't mean more is better. In other words, you want the engine to be cool within the parameters that it's designed in, but below that temperature is as bad or worse than being above the temperature. So that is about the normal temperature of it. You know, the cooling fans on that one, if you're not running your air conditioning and it's just sitting there idling. The cooling fans don't come on to 225, somewhere, somewhere around 225, yeah. 226. So it's not even trying to cool itself down. But it's not one of those things you have to address. That is the way it's designed. That is the temperature it's designed to run at, and that's the way it needs to be. If you lower that temperature at all, like say you put a lower thermostat in there, your gas mileage is going to drop drastically because the injectors are going to start seeing that, hey, it's too cold out here and all that. You can start having all kinds of problems. Plus, check engine light's going to pop on because it knows how hot it's supposed to be. And if, if it doesn't reach that temperature in a certain amount of time. Yeah. It, it gives it a take... certain number of minutes right. to reach the operating temperature. If it doesn't, it's going to throw check engine light. Oh, no kidding. So mm-hmm. Yep. Leave it alone. Don't mess with it. Leave that, it alone. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they last a lot longer running higher temperatures because what it does, a lot of people don't take long trips in their vehicle like they used to. They go to the grocery store and they turn it off and it sits and they go to the hairdresser or they go to church or they go wherever, go to work. They drive it five or six miles. So if you can't get that temperature up to a point where it starts to boil the moisture out of the crankcase, then you start to contaminate the oil and everything and all that uh, liquid in the oil will start attacking the metal parts of the engine. So you end up with, with way bigger problems. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for the information. Okay. Eddie. All right. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. It's one of those things that can be a little bit shocking is the temperatures these engines do run at. Sure. And if you do something that is different from the way you it normally used to do. Be. I know yeah. in South Louisiana, you probably have your air conditioner on ninety percent of the time. Yeah. Even in February, you may be running Some, your air conditioner a lot of times. Ten time. months a year. But what happens is when you turn the air conditioner off, now the AC, when you turn it on back up, it's gonna actuate the fan because it wants to draw air through the condenser but let's say you've always done that always run it with the air conditioner all all of a sudden you have a cooler day so you turn Turn the air air conditioner off off. what you will notice is that when the vehicle's sitting it's going to get hotter than it used to Mm -hmm. that's because now you only have one fan operating and that's operating based on engine temperature and that temperature may be way up like I said, I've seen as high as 227 degrees. Yeah, I know I know for a fact GM stated it on the Corvette. It was 226. Yeah, before it will even command the fan to come on. Sure. So if you normally run your AC, you're not ever going to see that. It's going to stay about halfway. Mm-hmm. But the first coolish day that you don't run, that you don't run your air conditioner, that temperature is going to go higher sure. because only the fan, only the one fan, you don't have the two fans running because one's just for the air conditioning, and it doesn't need that because the head pressure on the AC is low, so it mm-hmm. doesn't command that fan on. It will command the other, but it will only command it on at 227. Now, once it comes on, it'll bring it right back down. Sure. But it's not going to run the fan. It's not like in the old days where you had a big clutch-type fan on the front of the motor drawing That's... air through the engine constantly. It's all electrically controlled now because they found that by cutting the load of that fan, 
and a big old eight blade fan might draw 30 to 40 horsepower sure so it was a lot of load it cut fuel mileage down so they went to electric fans and those are commanded by computer signal based on temperature and, inputs and they run on percentage not on off yes yeah, not on off not anymore it, they actually run a percentage of volume through them based on the ambient temperature the engine temperature and several other factors load on the engine right it It, may command the fan on half 49 percent so that fan is running at 49 percent and that can give a problem in diagnostics i know sometimes uh, i had a fellow tell me my car is overheating Mm -hmm. and it was overheating he says i know it's not fans because i can see it running well no it's running at 49 percent but the engine is commanding 100 percent correct so what had happened, the little module that ran it had gone bad, and it couldn't command the fan up to the proper speed. So when you loaded the engine under certain conditions, it would overheat. Mm-hmm. So just looking at the fan and saying it's turning is not enough anymore. It's not it. And changing the fan is never the answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> or very rarely. Because he had another fella came in, he says, well, I listened to what you said, so I figured the fan was not changed the fan, but it's still overheating. Right. Okay, well, you changed the fan, but it's not being commanded to speed. Sure. This is another issue. It could be sure. a sensor. It's not giving the right command. It could be all kinds of things, but you can't just go start changing parts because not only you can waste a lot of money, but you may not even get close to the problem. And you could cause another problem. Well, you could. If you go get an aftermarket fan and put on it, it ends up burning up the control module. Now you got two sure. problems. Plus, you still got to go back and buy the original fan because the aftermarket won't work. Right. So, yeah, you don't want to just start throwing parts at the problem. You need to figure out what's wrong. When you see something that's different, Get some advice from somebody who knows what they're talking about, somebody who doesn't stand to gain from your sure, decision. Sure, And that's one of the big values to this show is we do not stand to gain by the information we give. We're just giving you information that we know is true. Exactly. As opposed to people, well, you need to add an extra fan. No, you don't. And adding an extra fan can overtax the charging oh, system. It's not designed definitely. for that. It doesn't have the excess, the surplus capacity to run that. Now you got bigger problems. So just something to keep in mind. Hey, I see we're getting close to out of time. I want to go ahead and start winding on up, getting ready to get out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written review and fill it out for us, please. And we really appreciate it when you fill out a written review. It lets us know we're doing a good job. Plus, it moves us up in the rankings where when someone types in auto repair, our name will come up close to the top of the list. And so more people are going to listen. More there people listen, longer we can keep doing the show. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that works. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Thank you.